This episode of The Secret Room is brought to you by Zola. Zola is reinventing the wedding registry and planning process to make the happiest moment in couples' lives even happier. To start your free wedding website and also get $50 off your registry on Zola, go to zola.com secret. Thanks to StoryWorth for supporting The Secret Room. StoryWorth makes it easy and fun for your loved ones to share their stories with weekly email story prompts. Get $20 off when you subscribe at storyworth.com slash secret. This episode contains adult language. What's your secret? My secret is I hate doing laundry so much that when I run out of underwear, I usually just go buy more instead of just doing the laundry. Okay, ready? Cue the theme. Go super electric. Hold on, hold on. I think we lost electricity. Yes, it's the awesome power of my beats. What else would it be? Alright, hang on, Ben. We'll get your theme song up and running again, sir. We just need to reset the breaker. Can you, like, uh, find a secret or something? In the meantime. Okay. Hi, my name is Tracy, and my secret is, when I was a broke and destitute teenager, I survived by doing some really stupid things. Today, Tracy's story of hope and inspiration is also a story of personal fortitude and just plain dumb luck. And I'm lucky to be alive from being a bartender, because this was not a nice place. This was like a hole-in-the-wall, roughneck steel workers from Millstone Power Plant who'd, who'd get off and come there. And, you know, they loved me there, though. <laughs> and the stories she's going to share of how she survived as a broke and destitute teenager are being told for the first time, right here. My mother never heard these stories. My mom has passed away now, but she never heard these stories, because she'd be mortified. She'd be like, why didn't you come home? It's not my style. So. so hold on as Tracy gets ready to share her secrets and what they taught her. My electricity had been off for at least three months. And a couple of guys at the bar who were really roughneck thugs said, we can, we can turn it on for you. And I was like, I was so naive. I was like, really? You're listening to The Secret Room, a podcast about the stories no one ever tells. I'm Ben Ham. Hi, Tracy. It's Ben. Hi, Ben. It's great to have you here. Thank you. Thanks for having me. (laughs) (laughs) You're welcome. I was really intrigued by your secret. When did this happen? I joke back in the dinosaur days, a long time. I was 19. So 1980, I'm 56 now. So about 80, 79 or 80. Looking back at 1980s Tracy, how would you describe yourself? (laughs) Fly by the seat of your pants, bootstrapper, naive, in my mind, invincible, lucky to be alive. Now that I'm grown, I reflect on those times as like, wow, I learned so many skills the hard way. It got me through life feeling like I could do anything. You sound like you can do anything. You sound like a real strong personality. (laughs) You'd probably get by in life just fine. (laughs) Yep. When you were 19, what was life like? What were you doing? Yeah, it's really important to understand what was happening in my life. So I was always a college-bound, ambitious kid until in high school, I completely ran off the rails, fell in love with the wrong guy, 
pretty much flipped off my family, <laughs> much of my mother's dismay, and said, I'm going to go do things my own way. So, How was the guy the wrong guy? He did drugs and that sort of thing. And I never, I never saw thrills that way, which amazes me to this day. I had a very strong character. I never did drugs or drink or anything, but I was really headstrong. And I fell in love with him. Also, it's important to know that my parents had divorced. I was feeling alone. And left Hickory, North Carolina, where I was raised. My mom and I had a falling out. So I left with my boyfriend to uh, Connecticut. And I was there two weeks and snapped out of it. I was like, holy shit, what the hell did I do? So I kicked him out <laughs> and pretty much was too proud to go home. I've never been the run home type. And I stayed in Connecticut and I scrapped around and I had three jobs at one time. I was a short order cook. I was a security guard at 19 with no gun. I was a chauffeur driver. I was a bartender. You name it, I did it. I was really embarrassed for my mom to come see me. When I'd call her, I would paint this rosy picture of, oh, things are great, and, you know, that sort of thing. And I was trying to get back into school. I didn't know how to get back in school. I did not finish high school. That was mortifying to her. I really messed up. I really ran off the rails. So here I am in Connecticut. I worked at an egg factory. It was all minimum wage stuff, right? So I <laughs> I had this little ramshackle apartment. It was $125 a month. It might as well have been $3 million. I could I could barely pay that, and I'd always pay it like in loose change. And the landlord, I'll never forget him, Mr. Malaris, he was doubtful when I, I begged to have that apartment. Shortly after I was, quote unquote, on my own, my electricity got turned off, but I didn't even flinch. I'm like, well, I was literally without power, without a phone. I had extension cords running into the hallways. I had a walk, an electric walk. I also had my heat rollers, so I'd plug in my rollers so I could do my hair and my hair dryer. Out of the hall, I was stealing it from the hallway. I didn't think anything about it. The little old lady next door was like, Honey, what are you doing? I'm like, Oh, nothing. I'm just... (laughs) She was always giving me boxes of food, too. She's like, Here's some beets. I don't want them. I'm like, Oh, God. So I even had a little cat, and my cat had to eat the beets. So I was broke and destitute, but I was so naive. I was never scared. I thought, You know what? Now, looking back, I think it was kind of fun, but... I'm lucky to be alive. I I never locked my door. I never looked over my shoulder. I was never afraid. I had a car that had no starter in it, and my apartment was on a hill. So I would roll that car and pop the clutch and just drive off. And I I was forever stalling out and having people push my car. So that was my life there. I mean, I really was broken destitute, but didn't we know it? (laughs) Were there ever any situations looking back now that you feel like your life was truly in danger? Yes, there were. There were many times where I'd be driving my ramshackle car home and it'd stall on the highway and some guy would stop and I'd say, you know, I don't need any help. I would just stand my ground. And I met an old couple once at a restaurant who tried to get me to be a swinger. I'm like, something's not right here. Goodbye. You know, I mean, I just really had enough fortitude or something to always be on guard. I I was a security guard with no gun. This is third shift, working in some roughneck old factory, unprotected. 
I always just had this presence, like, don't, excuse my French, don't fuck with me. And and why didn't they issue you a gun? Was it, was it because you were too young? Yeah, I was too young, and you had to apply for a license for it. And I look back now, and I'm thinking, shame on that company for hiring me and putting me in that position. But they did. I would work midnight. I'd get off like at 8 in the morning, drive my ramshackle car home, which always either needed to be jumped or pushed to start. And I would drive, you know, 30 miles down the road. And then I would change clothes. I'd go to Ocean Beach Park, where I was a short order cook. And then I'd sleep on the beach. I would take a shower at their shower facilities there. And then after that, I'd come home and my neighbors had a little limousine company. So I'd get dressed up and I'd drive limos. Then I also worked. I was a bartender. I did that too. So my story today gets involved with that. I had, the car that I was speaking of, I got from the fellow across the street who was an older gentleman. He, he always offered to fix my car. So, and I'd walk across the street. And go see him. He owned the apartment building across the street. I came so close to getting myself in a situation of being drugged and drunk. I went to his apartment. He was old. He said he was just lonely, just wanted some company. And we'd talk. And he would give me wine, which was honestly the first time I'd ever really had drinking anything. And I can remember, like, oh, my God, getting drunk and him making a move on me. But he was so overweight and so old, I just, like, pushed him down and knocked him over and ran back to my place and he never bothered me again i think he knew that i could take him out <laughs> but that car he he sold me was a shit car but in the winter time i mean it's brutally cold in uh the northeast in the winter time and i would take the battery out of this car in the snowy weather take it inside and put blankets on it and keep it warm and then I'm, every morning i'd go out and freezing blizzard and put this little battery back in my car and then roll it down the hill and pop the clutch and go about my way <laughs> and it was a standard of course so then it would stall i'd get out to the person behind me and say do you mind just giving me a push with your car so i could pop my clutch it's like well, you, you cast yourself as being naive, but you really sound like you were quite resourceful. <laughs> yeah, that's a good word. Resourceful is a good word. It was naive resourcefulness, though, because the situations that I would get myself into were like, like I should have known better. Like what? Like, after my security guard shift, I would always stop at Friendly's restaurants. It's like a little diner, right? This guy came up to me, and he's friendly, and to this day, I'm still super friendly to people, and I have to pay attention because... I don't want to give, no offense, like men, the wrong idea. So here I am at this restaurant. This guy comes up and he says, oh, can I join you? And and I'm like, sure. Talking, 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 talking. Never occurs to me that, you know, he's after something. And uh, <laughs> trying to pick me up or traffic me or something. I mean, I'm sure that all existed back in those days. He bought my breakfast. I'm like, oh, thanks. That's great. And, I mean, I'm so, like, appreciative, naive. So, And I left and he walked out with me. And, and uh, he's like, oh, where do you live? I'm like a dumbass i tell him where i live i think my car was broken down somewhere because i remember being in his car like a dummy and obviously he makes a move on me he tries to force himself on me in his car in my driveway i just beat the crap out of him and i said get the hell out of here and but i was mad at myself because i should have known i had some situations i almost got sucked into a cult because I'm so friendly. I'm shopping for jeans down the street. 
And this gal, I'll never forget her name, Lindy, she's in the store, and she's this little blonde gal, and she's talking to me, and we're about the same age. She's, oh, you're new to town, and here I am. Yeah, you know, I just moved here. I don't know anybody. So she obviously was sizing me up. So she said, oh, we're having a party on the beach, and you should come. So I went, <laughs> like a dummy. And it's all great, and everybody's eating outside, and all of a sudden they said, okay, we're ready, and they kind of commandeered everybody into a room. By now it's dark, and I promise you not, Ben, people came out in black robes. And, oh, I get goosebumps thinking about it. And I'm sitting on the floor, and thinking, what the hell, where the hell am I? Sounds like a movie. This episode of The Secret Room is sponsored by StoryWorth, a great holiday gift. StoryWorth is an amazing service that connects you with your family and loved ones. When you purchase a subscription for someone you love, StoryWorth will send them an email with a question about their life each week for a year. And then the memories will be preserved, bound into a beautiful hardcover book with your pictures. I gave my mom a subscription, and already I've been surprised and moved by memories she shared. I asked her to read an entry she made about the moment she met one of her great, lifelong friends. Okay, I, I have it. Okay, great. Would you like to read that for me, Mom? It was a beautiful day, as all summer days are in Greece, and I was in the van coming down the mountains on the way to Athens. The driver had an inside rearview mirror. I was looking idly into that mirror when someone I saw there caught my eye. By the time we reached Athens, I was in love. And so at the Athens bus stop, I knew that he was gone and that my rear view mirror idol was over and done, floating with certitude into the past. I was alone. The impetus for my entranced exploration of Greece had expired. There were three steps from the van down to the ground. And when I touched earth, he was there beside me. And that's how it all began. Well, Mom. Oh. You can fully customize the question StoryWorth has ready to go. Like tell me about your first big trip or about the adventures you had with your high school friends. Stories can be shared over email or recorded over the phone. My mom lives in New Mexico and I'm in Washington, D.C., so we're not geographically close. And even though I visit a lot, StoryWorth gives us another way to close that distance. I'm really excited about all the things I'll learn about my mom over the next year and about the things I'll share with her. StoryWorth, a great gift for the holidays. Get $20 off when you subscribe at storyworth.com secret. That's storyworth.com secret. So Tracy, everyone's coming out in black robes. What did, what did you think? What, what did you do? It was scary as hell. I know it was a cult. And, and everybody's sitting on the floor. And one by one, the guests that were there started speaking in tongues. And I'm thinking, how the hell do I get out? I've got goosebumps now talking about it. So I'm trying to slip away. And I said, I'll be right back. I have to go to the bathroom. I go running full speed back to my apartment. I close the door, the door and everything. My phone rang. They tried to track me down for probably a good month. 
So I'm like hiding in my apartment thinking, what the hell? And little by little, it stopped. And finally, my old man neighbor downstairs, he said, you need to tell the police about this. So I did. And we went back to that house and they were gone just disappeared. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that was a cult of some type. I don't know. But they could have captured me and held me against my will. Stop being so friendly, you know? Have you stopped being friendly? No. <laughs> nope. <laughs> but you're wiser. I'm wiser. I've learned. I'm seriously lucky to be alive. You know, while you were going through all this stuff, did you have any friends that you could rely on or were you dating anybody? I didn't really have any close friends. When I was a security guard, there was a cop who would drive by because I worked at a factory. I mean, this place was a nightmare. There were like 10 really rough guys who worked in this factory that had been pretty much shuttered down. So my job was like to do my clock rounds. And your job is to go to each post and key clock the post so it proves you did your round. So I would do that round three times a night. Then it spits out a tape at the end of the day that you turn in. And again, I had no gun. I was lean, mean, blonde, you know, I was a hot chick in those days, so <laughs> I'd like to think I'm still a hot chick, but so in those days, so, and I'd have to go out to the perimeter of the property in the woods. So the, this cop made a special effort to come by and check on me during certain times. So I ended up dating him, but then I found out he was married and I still dated him anyway. And, you know, and then he would come by in his cop car in my apartment, which was out of his area. And it's like, so no, I didn't really date anybody legitimately. <laughs> Let's just mm-hmm. say, <laughs> but I was just like, clueless of hurting somebody but you know like oh my god so there was a time tracy when you were out of electricity Mm -hmm. right and how how did you rectify that situation (laughs) accidentally (laughs) okay i was so used to not having electricity i really got used to it but it was getting to be winter time so here i am working at the waterfront cafe if you picture this is like a big giant hardwood floors run down it would really be like a big country western bar. Right close by was Millstone Power Plant. So, you know, these guys, these tough steelworker guys, I mean, they're great guys, but they, they would get off of work and come there. So women were never there. And I'm bartending. So here I am in this bar, and I was joking about running extension cords into the hallway and how I've mastered living off of hallway electricity. One guy was short, kind of like a Danny DeVito type, but like a mafia edge to him, like tough, really stocky. And then the other guy was a big guy that would be the thug's sidekick in these movies, you know, like the guy who does all the bad stuff. But then there's the main guy. So these two guys were drinking shots (laughs) and they were hammered and they overheard me talking about my I was so proud that I had 15 extension cords coming out of my apartment and the main guy the little short stocky guy he says you don't have electricity and i'm like well i kind of do but mine got turned off i can't afford it i'm trying to get it you know i'm like so give me good tips so that was the joke he's like we can help you Uh-oh. and i was like really this doesn't sound good i was completely naive and i'm like uh how he says don't worry about it we'll, we'll take care of us <laughs> here i am again you know dumbass naive So what do we have to do? She says, well, we'll come to your place (laughs) and we'll take care of it for you. Then they're they're saying, so where do you live? They're obviously scoping the scenario in their minds. And I said, well, I'm living in like a little little house on Pequot Avenue up in New London. And this was like the little next little town over, but it wasn't far. And I live on the second floor. It's just a little house. And then I have, uh, does anybody live near you? And I said, well, I have this old man, Al, downstairs. And he's sweetheart. He's probably 150 years old. I mean, and he couldn't hear 
So they're obviously conjuring up their scheme. Never occurred to me that they would want something in return. And believe it or not, they never did. But So I got off at 2 a.m. in the morning. So they pushed my car. So I'm like, you know, puttering home. And they're following me in the middle of the night to my apartment. I said, so what do you want me to do? I didn't even know where the meter was. I didn't even know about meters. They said, well, you'd go talk to your neighbor because we might make a little bit of noise. It's going to be all good. And so sure enough, I go to see Al. I can see his TV zone. And he was half deaf. So <laughs> I can still see myself sitting there face to face with him, talking to him. And it's really loud. It's like, hey, you know, what's going on? And talking up a storm and trying to think of things to say and behind his head on the wall he had a picture of the virgin mary (laughs) i can see all of a sudden like shaking like these guys were outside the my place ripping something apart making all this noise like racket and hammering so i'm like so yeah i had a really busy day and he didn't hear a thing and the other part of my brain is watching that wall and i'm thinking oh my god what the hell are they doing and it was probably five minutes and then it stopped and i said oh well i gotta go now you know i'm really tired and so i went upstairs and my lights were on and i'm like wow that's awesome and those guys came upstairs, checked to make sure the lights were on, and they didn't touch me. They didn't do anything. They just took care of it. Thank goodness. I know. No kidding, huh? I finally walked around, tried to figure out what they did. The whole glass cover that's usually on this meter was broken, totally ripped off. I'm thinking, well, I'm going to get in so much trouble. And I just was not brave enough to call the landlord and say, I broke your you know i mean what do you do it's like so i left and went into the army with that electricity like that and he didn't know where i was i'm sure i just left so i was probably in the army for nine months to a year and it bothered me so much i kept picturing my mind like oh my god so i had his address for some reason and i mailed him cash like a dummy i didn't get a money order i mailed him like $500, and I was so impressed there were $100 bills because here I was in the Army. I got paid $540 a month. <laughs> that was like heaven to me from then being on pretty much on the streets, you know. But And I wrote him a note, and I said, I'm so sorry for the electricity. It was a tough time in my life, and I mailed it, and I have no idea if you ever got it, but I needed to rectify that in my mind because even to this day, I feel bad about it because, you know, now obviously I'm responsible, and I think if somebody ever did that, that's – that's horrible, you know, so it's damaged his property. But so that was it. So that was really kind of my secret. And I had kind of forgotten about this whole story until I came across your podcast. And I was thinking about my life and so many things I've been through that were hilarious in retrospect. But then that I remembered that. And I'm like, you know what? That wasn't cool. It just wasn't cool. But that's great that you sent him the money. Yeah. He was probably very appreciative. I hope so. A lot of my friends over the years have heard various stories, and and everybody, you got to write a book. And I thought about it. So I have, like, snippets of, like, anecdotes. There are some stories in there that are just (laughs) mind-blowing. Yeah, tell me another one. Okay, I guess it's the red wire. Here, let me just see for a second. This episode of The Secret Room is brought to you by Zola. Zola is reinventing the wedding registry and planning process to make the happiest moments in couples' lives even happier. 500,000 couples have used Zola, and you can join them. If you want to surf with me, head to Zola.com secret. Susie, Secret Room producer at large, you're married. Did you use Zola to plan your wedding? 
No, I did it the old-fashioned way at a retail store with one of those little scanny guns, but I wish I'd used Zola. (laughs) Why is that? You know, uh, you start off by making your free wedding website there, and they have a hundred gorgeous designs you can pick from. Yeah, and one of the things that I love about the website is that you can add stories about how you met, and you can also put travel and accommodation info in there for all your out-of-town guests. And there's an FAQ section, so your guests can get all the info they need for the wedding, like what to wear, or parking information, just anything that you might get asked a lot. That's great. I love FAQs. (laughs) (laughs) And they've got a lot... (laughs) I'm putting that on Twitter. (laughs) And they've got a bunch of tools. One of my favorites in there is a customizable wedding checklist that has deadlines. Did you have something like that when you were getting married? I didn't, but it would have been nice and it would have kept my mom from calling me all the time. (laughs) (laughs) And they have other tools like a guest list and they have save the dates and gorgeous invitations. That all match your wedding website. Yeah, it's beautiful. It is just gorgeous. It all matches. They look great. And you can also put your dream wedding registry right in your wedding website so that everybody can just do it all in one place. And the Zola store has a wide selection of gifts at all price points. You can customize it to your liking. And they have a registry bonus. Any remaining gifts after the day of your wedding are 20% off. And there's free returns and price matching in case you find it for a lower price somewhere else. What is not to like? To start your free wedding website and also get $50 off your registry, go to zola.com secret. That's spelled zola.com slash secret to start your free wedding website and get $50 off your registry on Zola. And we're back with Tracy's last remarkable story that would be a great final chapter to her book. Stay with me. You'll see why. Before the Army happened, when I'm scrapping along, I didn't know how to get into college because I left high school. I think I was a junior. And uh, I'm like, I'll figure it out. You know, of course, when I got on my own, I'm like, what the fuck did I do? But I didn't know anything about financial aid. I had not taken the SAT. I mean, I really blew off a lot. I literally walked five miles to the town over to talk to a guidance counselor. I'll never forget her. Her name was Mrs. Castle. And I sat with her, told her my story. And all she did was poo-poo me. She's like, you know, honey, do you have any transcripts from your high school? I said, yeah. She says, but you didn't graduate. All right, so you need to do this. This is an uphill battle. She was, shame on her, because she discouraged me. I sat there looking at her thinking, you know what? You have no idea what I'm made of. I left there, and I said, you know what? Fuck you. And she's like, <gasps> and I said, I said, no, fuck you. I said, you watch what happens. So I left there, hitchhiked my way back to my apartment. I don't know where my car was by now. It's probably on the side of the road somewhere. <laughs> Just abandoned. I'm thinking, okay, be strong. Go see every branch. They're going to try to get you to join on the spot. I knew that. Talked to the Army recruiter. He told me what I need to do. I need to get a GED. He said, the first thing you do is get a GED. So I did that. Hitchhiked to that. I got into a little community college, which was easy. Then after that, I wanted to go to a big university. I'm like, you know, I'm ready. I'll never forget getting an appointment with the dean of University of Connecticut. You know, UConn basketball, big famous school. And... um. And I never took the SAT, and I sat there. I had my Army uniform on. I was so proud. And I sat there, and I begged my way into that school. He said, well, I'll tell you what. He said, we'll let you in on a a conditional provision. He said, I will give you one semester, and if you do well in that semester, we'll talk about it then. And I did, and I made straight A's. I was all over it. That's how I got into college. But I cried. I'm going to cry now. 
That was uh, unbelievable. Hmm. Good job. Sorry, I have to regroup. <laughs> so, I stood there on that campus and looked at that campus, and it's such a vivid favorite memory of mine. It's like, oh my God, I've made it. I'm going to go to a university. And I did. That's kind of the culmination of that story. Oh, and I did go back to see that lady. I went back to see that lady, and she was still at that school. I didn't make an appointment. I just walked in, and and I'm I, you know I'm dressed up, and I look totally different. And I walked in, and then I knocked on the door, and she looked up, and I said, "Do you remember me?" Mm. She looked at me, she said, "I'm not sure." I said, "Well, this may remind you." Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, I'm going to University of Connecticut. So there. So And thanks, but no thanks. <laughs> and I did tell her, I said, shame on you. I said, the nor- normal people who would come and talk to you would be discouraged. I said, but I'm not that person. And I walked out. Yep. What did she say? She just looked at me stunned. I didn't give her a chance to say anything. And I said, but you know what? If I was anybody else, I would have walked out of there and become a homeless person. What motivated you to do that? Because that's... Mm. You know, I, I I don't think most people in your situation, you know, would have would have done that. I was determined to go back and show her because I was so proud and I, and I wanted her to learn a lesson. And if I lived in Connecticut now, I'd find Mr. Malaris and go to him personally and say, you know what, I am so sorry. Show him that I wasn't just a degenerate kid who took advantage of him because that's really important to me. Why did you want to tell your secret today? You know, because shit happens. Trust me. <laughs> you know. I hope that your listeners feel determined and motivated after my story because morality to me about that electricity situation bothered me and I wanted to make it right. Not so much for myself, but I wanted Mr. Malaris to not chalk me up as just another loser because I wasn't. You know, I was a young kid and I was embarrassed. I begged him for the apartment and I, you know, I disappointed him. That's the big word, disappointment. It's like, you know. <laughs> well, I think you made good on it. Yep, that's my story and I'm sticking with it. Well, Tracy, <laughs> thank you so much for joining me in the secret room. Sure. I love it. I love the podcast too. It's great. Thank you. It's great to have you as an official part of the show. I, I feel honored. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Tracy pulled herself up by her bootstraps with her gung-ho and can-do attitude. She's a successful professional now, and she shakes her head at where she came from and who she once was. But she made it. Tracy sent me some pictures to share with you. They're from her high school, university, and army days. Go see her now on Instagram and Facebook. Just search for Secret Room Pod. Feel free to share, like, and comment. Next time on The Secret Room. Hi, I'm Brittany, and my secret is that I lied about my relationship to my YouTube audience. It was nothing like what I portrayed. A YouTube star's confession to her fans next time on The Secret Room. Do not miss it. Ben. Ben, 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 ben. We got it. Your theme song is all charged and ready. Here we go. Susie Lark is the Secret Room's producer at large, and Bobby Joe Valdez heads up the Street Secret team, which roots out and records those secrets that open each show. <laughs> you make it sound like it's fun, Ben. If you enjoy the Secret Room, you can help by supporting the brands that sponsor the show, and you can save while doing it by using our discount codes. Thanks for showing them some love. Our music is by Breakmaster Cylinder. 
And there's a listener survey at secretroompod.com if you're so inclined. The podcast is here every other Sunday night in the U.S., which is midnight GMT Monday morning. For those of you who are farther away from me, wherever you are, thanks a lot for listening. This is The Secret Room, a podcast about the stories no one ever tells. I'm Ben Ham. Pod on. Pod on. Pod on. <laughs> There's a dead bird carcass under my bed. Just a wing, though. Your cat dragged that in? Yeah, it's old. It's all shriveled up. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. Wow. She is having way too good a time.